my wife and I were viewing a documentary about World War II. And more specifically, it was about the German general who is known as the Desert Fox. Now, for the younger ones who are not familiar with World War II, that the German army was beating us in North Africa. And then the Allies sent Field Marshal Montgomery to lead the troops. And with a total dedication and commitment to victory, the Allies began to defeat the Germans. And the man who outfoxed the Allies for a long time was defeated in the Battle of Alamein. It's a town west of Egypt and the border with Egypt and Libya in that area. And so Hitler recalled Rommel back to Germany. Rommel was a friend of Hitler. And they sent another general to take his place. And when Rommel went back to Germany, he began to tell Hitler that the war is over, that in his estimation, the Germans are defeated, and he ought to work some sort of arrangement with the Allies and bring it all to an end. Hitler agreed with him, but he would never acknowledge it publicly. He would never acknowledge that defeat for months and months and months prior to the end of the war. As a matter of fact, they began to deceive and they will put propaganda showing the Germans winning in North Africa instead of the devastating defeat that they already have received. Had Hitler surrendered at that time, probably we would have saved tens of thousands of lives. But that's how evil works. You see, that discussion that took place, that confession that Hitler and Rommel have talked about was several months before the war had ended. Hitler knew that he is defeated and that the German army is defeated and the war is over, but he kept on fighting, he kept on attacking, he kept on destroying. And in many ways, I thought about this immediately, and I thought that period between the time when Hitler realized that he is defeated and that the German army is defeated and that the war is over and the time he confessed it months and months later is like the time in which we live today between the cross of Jesus Christ and the resurrection and the second return of Jesus Christ. This is a very similar time from the spiritual point of view. When Jesus rose from the death victoriously, He totally devastated Satan. He, through His crucifixion and resurrection, rendered Satan toothless. He rendered him powerless. He rendered him impotent. He rendered him defeated. But the problem is Satan, like Hitler, is refusing to acknowledge it. He's refusing to concede defeat. He is refusing to accept the inevitable. And so, for this period of time in which we live, he continues to stir up trouble. He continues to cry the war cries. He continues to attack the believers. He continues to refuse to accept ceasefire. He refusing, he's refusing to surrender. But listen to me, beloved friends. Soon and maybe sooner than you think, we will see Satan in chains. We will see Satan in the lake of fire. We will see him acknowledging his defeat. We will see him bowing to our victorious Jesus. 
But until that time happens, we must be aware of the fact that He wants to create havoc for the faithful believers. Do you know why? There's only one reason. Why is Satan wanting to create havoc in the life of every faithful child of the living God in order that he may make them unfaithful? Someone may say, well, Michael, why do you have to talk about Satan? Why do you have to even acknowledge Satan? Why don't you just pretend does not exist? Why don't you just ignore the whole thing about the battle? But my beloved friend, listen to me. That's exactly what Satan wants you to think, that he doesn't exist. I saw statistics this week that absolutely disheartened me. It says that 55% of all Protestants in America do not believe in personal Satan. And that 75% of all Roman Catholics in America do not believe in Satan. And they say Satan is just a symbol of evil. But listen to me. Where does evil come from? Beloved, listen to me. Like it or not, if you are born of God, if you are born again... If you are a child of the living God, if Jesus Christ, the Savior of your soul and the Lord of your life, if you are destined for heaven, you are at war. Whether you like it or not, whether you acknowledge it or not, you are at war. You will be attacked. Although Satan is a defeated enemy in the war, but he's refusing to lay down his arms. In fact, he's refusing to surrender. And the opposite is true. He is on the attack every single day. And when he is not attacking, he is plotting. He's plotting his next attack. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. Those who are equipped by the whole armor of God, those who are equipped for the battle, will have victory over him every time. Not occasionally, but every time. Not only that. But these demonic forces, these demonic powers, they fight dirty. They really do. They like the terrorists of our modern day. They are constantly going around and looking for soft targets, targets that are not protected, a target that does not have the armor of God. And wham, they attack in the time when you're least suspecting. Unlike regular armies and regular wars, These unprincipled and immoral forces of darkness, they are utterly unscrupulous. They have ruthless and vicious design for their prayer. This enemy of your soul, listen to me, this enemy of your soul is cunning. He's conniving and he is conceited. This enemy of your soul seldom attacks you out in the open, but he will pretend to be an angel of light. And when you're least suspecting, he will swoop down. And the next thing you find yourself falling in the battle. This enemy of your soul, although he's a wolf, but he has a wardrobe of all kinds of sheep's clothing. And he puts on different dress of sheep's clothing in order that he might get mingled and mixed with the sheep of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he can attack from within. The wiles of the spiritual evil power is endless. But listen to me. Probably the wildest, if I can make up a word, is when he succeeds in convincing people that he doesn't exist. That's his biggest success. Jesus began and ended his ministry on there being a recipient of the attack of the devil. 
But listen to me, both in the wilderness and in Gethsemane, Jesus defeated him by the power of the Word of God. And through that power, my friend, you and I, it's the only power that you and I can have that will give us victory like Jesus. And that is why in verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6, turn to it please, Paul said, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Why is he saying that? Listen to me, because the Word of God is warning us, trying to stand up to the enemy, relying on your strength, relying on your wisdom, relying on your power, relying on your cleverness, relying on your own self-righteousness is a sure way to be clobbered by Him every time. And that is why you and I need to keep that armor of God that He's given us 24-7. Verse 13, Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. The whole purpose of wearing this battle fatigue, the whole purpose of wearing this battle uniform is that we may be able to what? Stand. It is not a surprise to many of you to know that today we have so many Christian soldiers who are deserters in the battle. We have so many Christian soldiers who have given up the fight. We have so many Christian soldiers today who have lost their nerve and lost their footing, and they are falling in the field of battle. Today, there are many Christian soldiers who no longer able to stand. They no longer stand, and they have allowed Satan to walk all over them. It is the saddest thing to watch believers in the Lord Jesus Christ allow Satan to walk all over their marriages, to walk all over their relationships, to walk all over their families, to walk all over their children, to walk all over their effectiveness for Jesus Christ. And Satan has succeeded in getting them to drop their weapons and give up their call to arms in the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm talking about people who once were giants for Christ, people who served faithfully in the past, people who have given sacrificially in the past, people who have ministered powerfully in the past, people who have witnessed effectively in the past. They are are in a state of defeat and retreat today. And that's exactly what the full armor is all about. They're supposed to help us to stand firm, no matter how fierce the attack, no matter how tempting Satan's offer may be, no matter how enticing the pleasure that he gives us, no matter how persuasive the offer, no matter how alluring his bait, no matter how glorious is the deal that he's offering you, Satan does not want you to stand, and the Lord Jesus Christ does. Who will you obey today? Who will you obey today? Stand and keep on standing. In fact, I can tell you that if I'm learning anything, and I can't say I've learned, but I am learning, if I'm learning anything about spiritual warfare, I'm learning the greater the battle, the greater the victory. And the greater the victory, the greater the joy. Surrender is not an option for the child of God. 
Surrender is not an option for the child of God. Now, I want you to say it with your heart. Surrender is not an option for the child of God. Let me run through these six items very quickly. First, he talks about the girdle of truth. This was a wide leather belt, and it was wore on the waist. And the purpose of that wide leather belt is that so that they may tuck in their tunics. You know, they wore free-flowing robes, just like you see some people wearing today in the Middle East. And they had to tuck these things into something so that they can become nimble. Otherwise, those things are going to cause them to stumble and they wouldn't be able to run away from temptation, not able to run away and resist temptation. So they would wear those belts in order to tuck their tunics in them to make them swift in the battle. And a Christian who does not stand on the truth of the Word of God, listen to me, the Christian who does not stand on the truth of the Word of God will fall for the devil's lie. To be contented with a life of mediocrity, to be contented with indifference in your, in your relationship with God, to be contented with a half-hearted commitment is a recipe for falling for Satan's lie. Secondly, the breastplate of righteousness. Now, this part of the soldier's equipment was designed to protect the torso. It's supposed to protect the heart and the lungs and all the vital organs. They're supposed to guard. And the breastplate of righteousness here means two things. First, it means that you are protected by the righteousness of Jesus Christ and not your own. That you are protected against the attack of the enemy. When he comes in and brings doubt to you about your salvation... When he comes in and tries to accuse you of sins from which you have been forgiven long time ago. When he comes to you and brings slander against the completed and finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. When that happens, when you happen to have the breastplate of righteousness, you'll be able to say to Satan, buzz off, because the Scripture said, therefore there is no condemnation upon those who are in Christ Jesus. I am covered by the righteousness of Jesus Christ, not my own righteousness, for I have none. But also the breastplate of righteousness is your and my obedience to the Word of God. Sadly, when it comes to obedience to the Word of God, there are many churches handing out paper armor. Paper armor. You say, what is that? It's the paper armor of activities. Is the paper armor of programs? Is the paper armor of methodology? Is the paper armor of models? Is the paper armor of rituals? And Satan is piercing straight through that paper mache. And sadly, many who are spiritually wounded and have fallen in the battlefield, and they're going around with their head bowed, giving in, surrendering to his. Wiles. Thirdly, the gospel boots. Verse 15, the gospel of peace is the irrefutable truth that it is through Jesus and Jesus alone can we have peace with God the Father, that we can have peace with one another. The believer who stands dressed in the boots of the gospel, the believer who stands on the Lord's power, is not afraid of the enemy's attack. Do you know why? Because when he attacks, 
Your feet are not bare, and therefore he can easily get them bleeding. You're not wearing flip-flops, which easily can come out when you're running. (laughs) But your feet are protected by the solid boots of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number four, the shield of faith, verse 16. In fact, there are two words for shield. There is a shield that is two feet in diameter. A soldier would wear that wrapped around his arm, especially when he's involved in hand-to-hand combat and try to protect himself from the sword. But there's another word which I think the Apostle Paul is referring to here. It's the word that he uses here, and it is a shield that is a total body cover. It's about five feet tall, and it's two and a half feet wide, and it's designed to protect the entire body. That's called the shield of faith. It's designed to protect the entire person. And often it is made of wood. And then on top of that wood, it's covered with metal. But sometimes in some places where they couldn't get metal, what they did, they covered that wood with oil-soaked leather in order to resist the piercing of the arrows. Now, the enemies, of course, the way they send those arrows is that they put a flammable material at the tip of the arrow, and then they dip it in pitch, and just before the arrow leaves the bow, they light it, and so that the arrow would be coming in as it's being shot, it does two damages. It will burn everything in sight, but then it will pierce the body, and that is why this shield of faith does two things. It will fizzle the fire, and will protect the body from being pierced. Every temptation that Satan throws at you, that first devastating arrow, before all the other arrows start coming out of his bow, is deeply rooted. It is dipped in lack of faith. Before he takes that original arrow to get you devastated, it is dipped in the pitch of lack of faith. Because if Satan can succeed in making you doubt God's love, doubt God's care, doubt God's provision, doubt God's salvation, his arrow is going to go straight through. Every time, every time Satan can get you to distrust God, he had got through. And then a whole lot of arrows start following Himerat, this is very important. The very core of sin, the very heart of sin, around all the other sins revolve, is the sin of not trusting in the promises of God, in the Word of God. And the reason people are afraid to tithe and give offering on top is because they distrust God. It's absolutely true. He said, yeah, well, I'm blessed today, but what's going to happen next year? What's the economy going to do? How is the market going to be? Listen, God does not bless you on the basis of the market and the economy. He blesses you on the basis of your faithfulness to Him. Distrusting. Distrusting. And oh, we give it some nice rational thoughts and some rational words. We've got to be wise, and we've got to be careful, and we've got to plan, and we have nothing against planning. Listen to me. The very core of Satan's sin is distrusting God. 
And when you start distrusting God, it's a downward spiral. More arrows and more arrows and more arrows. They don't attack you. They'll attack your family. They'll attack everybody around you. Number five, the helmet of salvation. That tells me that one of Satan's most powerful attack is in the area of your mind. Did you get that? It's in the area of your mind. What's in your mind specifically is the trust of Jesus Christ for your salvation. If he can get you and get into your head by convincing you that your salvation is not sure, and you just have to try harder and try harder and try harder, he will be able to lure you away into other sins. If he succeeds in attacking you in the security of the believer, in the security of your salvation, not just now, but for all of eternity, then he got into your head. He got to your head. If he can discourage you to the point of failure, he got to your head. And he uses many other things. He uses prolonged illness. He uses financial reversals. He uses failure and sin. And he would say to you, you've sinned, now keep going. You can't just go back now. Number six, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. All of the previous items, five items that we have seen so far, they're all for defensive purposes. The sword is the only item that can be used both for defense and for offense. Listen to me. When you witness to people about Jesus Christ and how he saved you eternally, when you become serious about snatching souls out of his jaw and the jaw of hell. The best weapon is the Word of God. Because the Word of God is authored by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit indwells you, the believer. And therefore, there is unity between what's in the Word of God and what's in your heart. The Holy Spirit is indwelling you. The Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. And therefore, Together, you speak the Word of God, and God will do His work. Listen to me. Christians who have tried to lead people to Christ, depending on their own clever techniques, their own methodology, most often fail. Uh, They might not give you the impression that they're failing, but they fail, because the Word of God is far more powerful than any clever technique that you and I can come up with. Because God's Word is authored by God. Because God's Word is flawless and faultless. Because God's Word is complete. Because God's Word is authoritative. Because God's Word is effective. Because God's Word is decisive. Because God's Word is the source of all truth. Because God's Word is the source of all joy. Because God's Word is the source of all spiritual growth. Because the Word of God is the source of all power. Only the Word of God can pierce and cut through people's defenses and why they don't want to believe in Jesus. The Word of God is the only thing that can pierce through their conscience. The Word of God is the only thing that can wake those who are spiritual asleep and dead. 
I'm going to tell you this as I conclude. It's not a perfect illustration, but at least it's an illustration from my own experience. And I know that spiritually speaking, I've seen it again and again, and it happens in my life. When I was a little boy, I always used to run, run away from home. Four or five years old, always running away. I mean, the moment the door opens and nobody's looking, I'm running. I may not have had much, but I can tell you I've had a lot of initiatives <laughs> as a little boy. I mean, I changed schools without telling my parents at the age of 11. I mean, <laughs> that's initiative. <laughs> and my parents and my older siblings, they tried everything. I mean, when I tell you, tried everything. But I remember one day, it was a summertime. And all my siblings were home vacation from colleges and schools. They were older. But for some reason, I looked around. We were on the fourth floor. And in the middle of the house, is a big stairway. And it goes down four floors. And I looked around, and nobody's looking. And so I started my way down. And I kept looking up. Nobody's I got down first to third floor, looked up. Nobody's looking. Second floor, nobody's looking. So... I became emboldened. I actually began to take my time. (laughs) I didn't run like I normally do. That until I got to the very bottom floor. And they had the scariest thing waiting for me down there. I want you to imagine running up four floors with my heart pounding, terrified of what had happened. Never run away again. But listen to me. I know my siblings meant well by this. But beloved, I want to tell you, throughout my Christian life, I know in the life of others, that when you run away in disobedience to the Word of God, and you think that you got away with it, well, you know, God has not done anything. God had not punished me. God has not, I mean, obviously I'm doing okay. Must be that Bible preachers are telling me these things are wrong, but they're not. And you keep running away. And you keep running away and nothing happens. God is so loving. He's so patient. He's not going to club it right away. He's going to punish you. He's not going to bring you to discipline right away. And you keep going and you keep going. Until you face the enemy. And he clobbers you. You try to run all the way back home to the Father. The further you go away, the longer the trip home. Disobedience to the Word of God, distrusting the promises of God, are all ways by which means the enemy is attacking you, is attacking your family, and is attacking your businesses, and attacking you viciously when you are away from the Word of God. I often give this illustration on the air. You know, imagine a little boy walking with his daddy hand in hand, and then you get a vicious dog start barking. Dog might not bite, but just think about how quickly that child gets into his father's arms. But if that boy like me and run away from home and maybe a mile away from home and get attacked by that vicious dog, I mean, just think about it. How long is it going to take him to run all the way home? Beloved, I want to tell you something. When you daily, when you actually 24-7 wear the armor of God, the enemy cannot take you for very long because you are aware Of his devices. There's somebody here today. Who have. Taken the armor. 
off. Thought you really got it all, you know your Bible, everything is fine, and you are doing fine. And you're no longer putting the armor on. I want to tell you, today is the day when you come and say, Lord Jesus, I want that armor on 24-7. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry for disobeying your word. And if you desperately need the armor of God, if you have put that sword down and you haven't used it, and you're trying to read somebody's books and somebody's devotionals and somebody's this and somebody's that and left the Word of God aside, I want to challenge you today. Say, Lord Jesus, I will hold on to your Word, and I will not let that sword go out of my hand. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the power that's in your Word. I thank you that the Word is authored by the Holy Spirit. We thank you that the Holy Spirit dwells in us, and I thank you that you're the one who brings conviction. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for every precious brother or sister, you will give them the full armor right now as they claim it. And Lord, above all, I pray for the sword of the Word, the Spirit of God, that would be their guide, that would be their weapon, that would be their weapon of choice in offense and defense. Father, I pray that you will teach us that it is your Word that converts a soul, not our clever techniques. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you manifest your Word and you manifest your power as your servants come to seek you with all of their heart. And I rejoice and I thank you. I give you praise and adoration and worship in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.